It's your Kali. What's up? Hey y'all, what's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bump and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start five, four, three, two, one. Hey, BBs! Welcome back. So remember, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolo Cali, in Little Village. Hi, I am Gigi. And I'm Didi. And I'm Marie. And today, our show is the 50th year of being a BBB. Are y'all excited? We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I would love to be introducing a beautiful trans woman that you guys would see later on, Didi. Yes. I will be, since I already recorded my coming out story, I only saw it that it must be uh, told as well, Gio's coming out story. Thanks, sis. Marie. And I'll be covering some topics about a march that happened this past, yeah, June. (laughs) Yes, and then we have our beautiful goddaughter, Mimi, that you guys would be introduced to, where she's going to talk about... You know, inclusivity and all that good stuff. You know, that's our girl. We love her with all our heart. Don't we? Don't we, Didi? Yes, yes we do. <laughs> yes, Marie's like, yes, you we know, love her. she's yeah. like <laughs> the mama bear, but that's our daughter. For <laughs> 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 real. And here we have our lovely, you know, goddaughter. Oh my God. Say your name, baby. I'm Mimi. Yes, that's a great baby right there. Oh my God. Oh, hey, Mimi. How has it been working with, you know, your godparents, your favorites? Very, very good and fun. Really now? Tell us what you've been working on, sweetie. So I've been working on um, something to explain what inclusivity and to be diverse is. Ooh, girl. That's great. You learned a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You took your notes? Yeah. Gonna remember it when I ask you? Yes. All right, as you should. Okay, girl, don't be hard on her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, tell us, tell us, tell us. What is... What did you focus on for your audio piece? Well, I focused on a lot about the LGBTQ plus community and how they should not be judged by who they are. Aww. See, this is why you're our goddaughter. Mm-hmm. This is why the Lord put us in our, in our hands, girl. So, we're going to listen to... Your amazing audio piece, girl. Thank you so much. Y'all gonna hear more of our girl over here, okay? <laughs> so let's hear it. Hey y'all, I'm Mimi, Gigi and Didi's goddaughter. I love my godparents because they're funny and caring. One thing I have learned from my godparents is how diverse their world is and how unique they are. Even the way they fight, even the way they drag each other into the mud. Now that we're talking about diverse worlds, I started to learn about diversity. Did you know that it means to be different? I mean, look at my godparents. Two gays that love each other, but at the same time can't stand each other. LOL. Gigi is bold, independent, and friendly, and is unique because he likes guys. And Didi is funny, outgoing, and chic. He is also one of a kind because he likes guys too. That is their beauty, and that's what I like about the LGBTQ plus community. The LGBTQ plus community is a diverse group of people that create their own families of loving souls. They should be free of judgment. And what does it mean for the community to bond with their families? Is it you and me, Bernie, Gigi's wigs and extensions? Wait a minute, squeeze me? No, it's about being inclusive, no matter what, gosh. Tell Tell us what what it means to be be inclusive. inclusive. Inclusivity is when everyone is a part of something and going a step further when you make someone a part of something. Is bonding over makeup inclusive when you make someone else a part of something? Yes. 
Just like two wonderful cosmetic brands that came out with makeup products to donate all the proceeds from their launch to LGBTQ plus shelters. They know how to be inclusive. So now you know to be diverse is to be different in your own unique way. And inclusivity is to include everybody and everyone to be a part of the community. And that was Mimi's audio piece. It was so adorable. It was so cute. I'm so proud. <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying. Oh my goodness, y'all both proud parents. Yes. And off to, what is it, you know, moving on from adorable Mimi's audio piece, we're going to talk about pink washing. Pink and, washing? What is that? And yeah. as much as like it sounds like adorable because it's pink, but no, uh-huh. it's not. We stand pink. But... Your favorite color, Katie. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> On Wednesdays, we wear pink. (laughs) Oh, my God. You did not just... Oh, my goodness. Basically, it's the presence of a state or a company, usually company, um, presenting itself as an LGBTQ plus friendly and progressive in order to downplay their negative behavior. So basically every other like store or company saying, you know, like like it's like June, it's like, oh my god, LGBTQ, yes, like we stand the community and then as soon as like July hits, it's like, um, who? So yeah. So and to summarize that, because I'm illiterate. Um <laughs> <laughs> so basically they're a bunch of hypocrites and they just want to make a profit. Yes, exactly. Basically Girl. summary. And I feel like that's so true. We've been seeing that everywhere. I mean, we don't want to, you know, call them out or whatever, but there's been some brands that just put some weird, ugly (laughs) rainbow stuff, and we're like, who's going to wear that? They think, like, oh, rainbow, and it's like, okay, well, we're being supportive. That's not. That's not it. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I saw a completion on YouTube where they put, like, a bunch of brands' Instagram profiles. And then as soon as July thirty, um, July 1st kicked in, they were, like, change it back oh, to you, the regular. You just, see it, you just see it gone, right? It's like Yeah, it's like, what happened? What happened? I couldn't with that. Mm-mm. But it's basically just that. Because, and and again, a lot of companies, a lot of makeup brands, and a lot of fast food, oh, my God. And just, like, even Mouthwash does that, if we all remember correctly. I'm not going to say the brand, obviously, but we, we all saw that. And yes. it's just like, mm. I didn't see that. It was you didn't want to see it. It just it was you just don't horrible. Wanna see it. I, I just <laughs> don't, don't want to know see. about it. That's crazy. Oh my god! And that's why sometimes you gotta be careful. You know, that's why they um people boycott things. Yeah. You never know if somebody's really there for you or they're just there for the business and your money. Like, yeah. I want you to care about me. Like I'm supporting you. So if I'm gonna support you, you're gonna support me. You're not just gonna make a profit out of me. And that's period. Period. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like they and like some of these companies and like and states and whatever like really like be like doing that and like slapping a rainbow on everything, but they don't talk about the issues that like the community deals with. Yes, yeah. and also because um you see a lot of the because they make commercials about them, and yeah. sometimes they don't even include the people of the community. They would have like heterosexual people yeah. wearing the outfits, and it's like. Wait a minute. So y'all um gonna do this now? Um, celebrate yeah. our people, but not include our people, and pay them, but not pay our people. Like what? Excuse it me. don't make sense. Yeah. Right. Like when I know dang well that those people aren't even gonna wear it in real life. <laughs> yeah, because it's ugly. First of all. Yeah. And not only that, like the pride flag. Have y'all seen how it was updated now? Updated. Updated. Yes, girl. I think. It has some new colors. It has the black, the oh, yeah, white, the brown, that. and the pink, girl, for all the other babies out here, mm-hmm. you know? I and we that. just appreciate that. So if y'all at least going to use the rainbow, use the updated rainbow. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We're still not going to buy your stuff, though. <laughs> <laughs> but can you please say, uh, what do the colors stand? Oh. <laughs> um. So, damn, I can never say this one. I guess a tongue twister for me. Um, it's Polly. Can y'all? Box Polly. Box Polly. No, girl. I'm talking about um, the like the sexual preference. It's Polly something. Polly. Um, Polly. Polly. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm trying to say. Yeah. Po- oh, I just can't pronounce it because the girl can't talk. <laughs> but they added them into there, oh. and I just think that's so cute because you know they have um, the colors. There's just like pink. 
and the, like that little baby blue and like yellow and stuff. Oh. So they added like extra colors for them, and it's like yes, that's the new updated flag, and that's on period. Yeah. So we stand, but we don't stand these companies. Come on, companies. Trying to use that flag to make profit. (laughs) Right. Where's that money going to? And it's just like. Exactly. We want that money to go to our shelters and everywhere else, you know, support the community. Don't actually just use that money for yourself. How how you sleep at night? Because I sleep real bad knowing y'all doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about. Stonewall. Because, you know, it is the 50th year being a BBB, y'all. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. So, do any of y'all know a little bit about Stonewall? No, because I've been living under a rock. So, please, oh, explain. Sad. You know, you were living under a stone. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Okay, so Stonewall, girl, this is the 50th year. So, yeah, it happened 50 years ago. It happened in 1969. Um, It happened in... June, obviously. June mm-hmm. Beach. Yes. And so, girl, like, it's tragic because it's like people of the LGBTQ community, you know, they had to be real down low, secretive, you know, FBI mm-hmm. agents. <laughs> and it's crazy for them. They couldn't live their lives how they wanted to because, yeah. you know, they could go out in the streets and be arrested or, you know, attacked, killed, and things mm-hmm. like that. So, they had this bar, which, you know, the Stonewall Bar, and it was just, like, a be- a nice bar for gays, lesbians, you know, everybody in the community to come in. But they would restrict them and have them wear... Like, for example, imagine going to a bar where it's for you, you know, your community, and then just going in and being told, oh, you can't come in unless you have three pieces of clothes that match your biological gender that you were born with. So what about our trans sisters um. or trans brothers out here? Like, sweetie, that mm. was, that's not who they identify as. So why are you going to come for them? And so a lot of people, um, they started a riot. Um, I believe it was June 8th when all the things went down. And a lot of people tend to forget that it was started by trans women. Mm. And so that is why we also have Pride Month. Because um, they started a riot but the riot was mainly gay-focused, so it was a lot of gay, white males fighting back. So they stuff. wanted to whitewash it. They wanted to whitewash it. But, you know, we are going to have our beautiful girl, Tanya, which, by the way, y'all going to know about my girl earlier, but she is a beautiful trans-indigenous immigrant woman from Mexico, and she's going to tell us a little bit about, you know, the trans community. Then it was in Stonewall, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in today's society, the fight is continuous every day. I was born in, the ni- in 1969 with that trans liberation actually started with Sylvia Rivera and Marsha B. Johnson. They es- started this revolution, this freedom for uh, human rights, for LGBTQ rights. But they actually been forgetted out of the history uh, because white men, middle-class power took their leadership. And unfortunately, you know, like they die and not in good condition. And I think that every woman that even now that we are so empowered for into trans liberation and to trans rights, we still have the, we are kind of afraid that we can end it up like them of there so many other trans women and leadership have been murdered all over the country. So it's not easy for a trans person to be visible because you always want to put yourself in jeopardy. And just like today when I took the bus, you know, when somebody's so visible, you, you're, you're always going to be, you're always going to be uh, facing that somebody's going to say something to you uh, not everybody is open-minded. We have a lot of transphobic in our community. and a Latin community, we have the transphobic and homophobic is so, so strong. Unbelievable. Y'all see what I'm saying? Y'all yes. see what I'm saying? Homegirl. 
see? So it's like these icons, they're trying to be washed away. And it's crazy because mm-hmm. they are the reason why we have, like, the, you know, the more liberation, like, the more rights that we have now. Yes. So why, why forget them? And also then, and the, like, you're people of color. Yes. Yeah. That's, like, another thing. Just, like, um, what is it? Like, our culture, it's, like, not our culture, but, like, was it our people like we did something and stuff like that for our community yes and mm-hmm. it's like they're trying to like make that disappear as if like we didn't do anything that like oh like what is it oh all whites did this and it's like no it's like we have people like tanya and sylvia yeah. rivera that did these things for our community yes. for people of color for us mm-hmm. right and so people gotta forget mm-hmm. people gonna forget that all this happened because they want to feel like they were the left of the party and did everything Y'all did it. Y'all were a part of it. (laughs) But who started it? Our girls. So take several seats, sweetie. So now, girl, what are we going to talk about next? Next, we're going to talk about the Dyke March and and Pride Month. And Dyke March actually did also start um, because of Stonewall. Those event... I was in Calm Adventures because basically they are they're they're heroes honestly yes what is it because these beautiful women also created a march called Dyke March and for some people who don't know it's basically a um, non-for-profit grassroots community-based march central around like dykes and transgenders and queers and people of color specifically for people of color Mm -hmm. and they just travel around to different states and to different cities and do a march and um basically just like for the resilience like and they call out corporations just just like we know that you guys are just using our flags and stuff like that to get money and we're not okay with that and they're basically about that and i was able and luckily enough to go to um the third uh dyke march in little village which is amazing because like it's the third one it's like how many have you been missing and they've been doing this for 10 years oh Oh, that's crazy and it's just like like we've been needing this as people of color and as the lgbtq community and me and um a friend of mine natalie went to the dyke march and recorded um some uh asked some questions to some of the people that were going and it was so friendly there like I we as soon as we got there, some lady came up to us and she's just like, you "Guys want pizza?" And we're like, "What?" Oh, like, yes. Mm. And then she just gave us pizza and those like it was so nice oh. and loving. Oh, so cute. cute. And basically, we just asked some questions about like what's Dyke March to you? Um, like what is it? What is it to the community? How do you think it can impact the community? And it's like, how do you celebrate Pride Month? So I don't know whether or not we want to listen to those wonderful interviews. Oh of yes, of course. Let's Play put the blocks properly. Heck yes. <laughs> On June 29th, 2019, my colleague Alec Morales and I, Marie Moraz, attended Little Village's third Dyke March and asked around. What's Dyke March to you? Dyke March is a celebration of all gender nonconforming, trans, queer, two-spirit celebration that like, highlights the voices of people of color and indigenous folks. So we center the voices of black and brown folks. That's why you'll see all of our artists as POC um, at the stage when we get to the rally. And all of our core members as well are POC. So we really pride ourselves on centering that those voices that, for example, Boys Town Pride doesn't have a platform for. Essentially, we find that Boys Town Pride sometimes is not representative of our demographic anymore. There's a lot of us that are left out when the north side is inaccessible for some and also not uh, catered towards black and brown folks and trans folks and gender nonconforming folks. Our friends and family who support us and organizations that we partner with are all here for that same reason. for unity for solidarity for the oppressed and just to have a beautiful time i want to say maybe like four years ago i had come across it online connected i didn't know anyone there but i showed up and found a space that was so welcoming and beautiful and diverse and something that i've never really seen before 
and especially centered on like queer femmes too, which was really cool to see. And then I started, I like met somebody who was in the core membership and I wanted to get involved. I wanted to be a part of a day that was so important to all different kinds of people. Like people come up to me and tell me that, that this is the best day of the year and I agree. To me, it is a space that is for pride, where I feel like I'm seen and included um, and safe. Dyke March, to me, is an alternative space for a lot of people that don't intentionally um, belong uh, in mainstream pride, which has been like really corporatized, which has been really whitewashed and, and pinkwashed to an extent. And personally, Dyke March has been the first sort of queer space or queer organization that took a stand to support Palestinians and it makes a lot of queer Palestinians feel uh, validated and seen. This is my first Dyke March. Mine too. Alright, and it's really interesting because I, um, I just graduated from college. And Thank you. And one of the big pieces of my senior thesis was on the lesbian Avengers who created the Dyke March. So I'm excited because it means that I get to be both an, both my angry activist queer side, but also a giant nerd at the same time. Because I'm like I learned all the history of it for my thesis and then like studied it and stuff. And I'm just so there's that. But it also it's like there's a feeling of like I love pride, but one of my things with pride is that so much of it has become so gosh dang corporate especially in like the in my opinion like the bigger the pride is the more that the more that's a problem and i think that like the nice thing about the dyke march is that it kind of like it gives like a break from that which i think is really helpful and also kind of like it's more that what i think i want pride to sort of be you know and i'm i'm really excited what is the impact of dyke march on the community um, for the community, I think it's just made us really center, like, different intersections. Um, for us, environmental justice has to do with Mother Earth and contamination and industry and capitalism, but also our lives. So we live very, um, you know, intersectional lives, queer lives, people of color lives. So all of that really, like, came to light, I think, with Dyke March being here three years now. My first, like, my first kind of like queer event ever was a Dyke March event. And I don't know, it was where people looked like me were. And just like a lot of the work that Dyke March puts into the community outside of just the march itself um, is really cool as far as like who they get together. It helps the community really consolidate our politics. I think moving forward, like a lot of, a lot of our narratives have been co-opted. So now you see like mainstream pride do the whole, oh, 50 years Stonewall, but the, again, the whitewashing of like queer history in this country. Stonewall was a riot and Chicago Dyke March um, honors that history um, politically, not just for aesthetics. So we do have like um, contingencies that raise a lot of like political awareness in the city. So like a lot of like things like housing rights or the recreational use of marijuana, like just a lot of political progressive stuff that mainstream pride doesn't really advocate for because it's for cis white men. <laughs> On the community. Well, I'm not from Chicago. Where are you from? I'm from Indiana, so like two and a half hours away. How does Dyke Park have impact on the community in Indiana? As far as I know, they don't have a Dyke March, and if they did, it would be like four people. Like, I think that a lot of times people get like exhausted by like the like oversaturation of pride in a way. Like, you can only see large capitalist corporations being like, we love you, and then on July 1st, completely ignoring it so many times before you just get really old. So I think it kind of like gives a chance to prefer like this more like community-based aspect, and I find, I find a lot of good in that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Other than Dyke March, how do you celebrate Pride Month? That's a great question. I love to support other organizations like um, Duro, Tropiteca, Party Noir, all of these other queer POC dance parties and community events that are happening. That's how I do it, like connecting all of us together. And I see all those folks come out here as well. So we create a community amongst ourselves and we see each other, um, we support each other's work. And we're just like a rad group of talented individuals. By being authentic with me, <laughs> by being myself, that's yeah. amazing.
I celebrate by being proud of myself and having space for young people to express their different identities um, and just being visible, being queer and being visible and being alive. To me, Pride's a holiday, so it's like more about getting my family together and just like, it's when friends and family come in from out of town and everybody comes over. We're hosting like four people on our couch right now. And it's like, you know, it's like instead of Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's when we get together, we eat, we spend time with each other and I don't know, be happy and queer. How do I celebrate? I just celebrate it with my loved ones, get to be colorful and me, you know, I just like celebrating it with my friends and my family. I do my best to be visibly queer and Palestinian. I'm also Muslim, so I stand at the crossroads of a lot of like homophobia, a lot of Islamophobia. Um, so I, I do my best to reach out to a lot of young kids because I'm 22 now, but when I was 12, 10 years ago, or when I was 15 or 16 or 17, I had no mentor to guide me through my identities. Um, so I like to be that person for other people, and Dyke March is a place for me to learn and grow. Can I have a megaphone so I can announce that you have a megaphone? <laughs> hey everyone, uh, Noda has a megaphone. Just, just want to let everyone know. Wow, that, that was so good, Marie. That was beautiful. Thank you, girl. I really like the ending though, because like this dude just like came up to someone, or one of the people that we interviewed was just like, "Can I borrow your microphone? That way I can announce that you have a microphone." Mm -hmm. And the girl literally gave the microphone to him. <laughs> And then he's just like, what is it? It's like, Laura has a microphone. Just, just wanted to let y'all know. Just wanted to let y'all know. <laughs> that was my fave, too. Oh, adorable, I swear. Oh Honestly, they were just, like, so loving. It was just, like, felt like a really nice atmosphere. And then when we were just, That's like... shut. And then shut. we just walked, and it was just, like, crazy. It was crazy hot, and I got sunburned. And oh. I was just like, mm -hmm. It hurt to move the next day, but wow. it was totally worth it, though. Lesson learned. Yes, lesson <laughs> learned. Honestly. Sunscreen is key, y'all. <laughs> So now, now that we finished discussing bike march, what about Pride Month? Pride Month. Well, <laughs> well, girl. Um, let's just say I want a Prima, and I got there late, and I got there when it was canceled. Oh, 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 oh. so <laughs> I really didn't go to Pride Month. Can't relate. I was already there. <laughs> okay, well, you, why don't you tell us that? All right, so okay, because I got there a little late too, but you know how it is. Like I was all the way at the end of the parade. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was able to see, like, um, the um come already, even though my brother was, like, holding me back. And I was seeing all these drag queens passing by. And uh -huh. I'm like, I want to see the drag queens. Right. <laughs> and, like, um, you know, everyone was so nice. Everyone was, like, very comp Like, I, was, I, mm, I ran into a couple people there. I ran into my teacher from school, which was awkward because oh. I, <laughs> I was wearing really revealing clothes and heavy uh -huh. makeup. So I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. Look down, Yikes. Look down. And <laughs> then it started pouring rain. Yeah. And people started opening the gates and running across. Because it was already hectic. Like, the, pretty much the parade's over, even though there were still floats coming by. Mm -hmm. But it was a fun experience up until that moment. That's I don't even I don't even have words for it. just like can you imagine just like seeing your teacher just like yes oh I was like goodness. I'm I literally could not make it any more obvious I literally like you know when you don't want to see someone and you just go like oh you just cover your me. face that's what I did <laughs> and I was like oh no I can't see them and so now um we are gonna go into the promos and we'll talk more about you know my coming up story <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeet. Hey guys, hey. remember you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolokali in Little Village. And remember, this is the 50th year of being a BBB show. And you know, right now we've talked about um, pink washing, Stonewall, um, introduce my baby girl Tanya, talk a little bit about Pride Month and a lot about Dyke March, you know, because it's important. Mm -hmm. And how to be an ally. And now we're going to get into what, Didi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now we're gonna get into Gigi's coming out. Play it. <laughs> so let's play that or whatever. <laughs> Dear Diary, I kissed a boy and I liked it. The taste of his cherry chapstick, I hope his girlfriend don't mind. It was so hard to resist. So touchable. I just wanna know how he tastes. No, <laughs> you better stop. Cut. Medic, cover your ears. Gio, I told you at most. 
keep it strictly PG-13, and yet you're out here trying to make Fifty Shades of Grey, but gay. Okay, that's it. I'm freaking irritated of your sh**. May they hold my wig and hoops. Hi, BBs. Welcome back to the Gigi and Didi Diaries. In this diary entry, we're spilling the hot boiling tea of Gio's coming out. So, you ready? Yeah. All right. Hi, my name is Gigi. Um, and what do I do? Girl, I'm a makeup artist. Um, I do some journalism. And what else do I do? And I test beds for a living because I'm always bored in my bed. That's mood. Ooh, the most fond memory of my childhood. Wow, fond is a vocabulary word, but... Um, the most fond memory of my childhood would probably be... Just being by myself, because I would always have the most fun by myself. Like, none of my siblings would, like, play with me. None of my cousins would play with me. I would always be by myself, so I would always just like to leave the house, have my mom chase me after me while I'm over there at the park, right next to the block. You know, climbing trees to the very tip top, almost dying, you know, just being So you were a problematic child, basically. Yeah, I mean, always. <laughs> All right. Um, I start discovering about myself. Hmm. When I was seven, yeah, when I was seven, I didn't know what it meant to be gay or anything like that. But I did know that I liked boys when I was, like, at a pretty young age. And I would tell my parents, I'm like, oh, my God, like... There's this cute boy in my school or something and, you know, get a girl whooping by my father. Um, uh, my mom would just be like, ha, 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 like, no. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? You're being silly. Like, I'm not going to put these novellas for you anymore. You can't watch them with me no more. And wow. But I, I knew since I was seven. Wow. Yeah. Um, the first time I came out, well, the first time I was outed, actually, by my mom, I was... Yeah, I was in 8th grade. I was 13. I haven't turned 14 yet. I was 13 and I had a boyfriend or whatever. And so my mom found out and she sat me down. She's like, come sit here right now. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, what's going on? Like in my head, I feel like she knew like that's what she was going to do. Like she was going to out me. And she was just like, I know you have a boyfriend and I don't care that you date boys. Like I love you how you are. I'm just mad that you didn't tell me you had a boyfriend. So I was like, and I, ooh, like man like i was just like ma like cut away like for me like i could have gave you the cue but no so, so your mom pretty much outed you <laughs> yeah my mom my mama outed me then my mom would be the person to accept me like out of everybody in my family so i had no problem i i always knew that she knew too it's just i wasn't expecting her to just out me like that i was just expecting to live my life like just bring a boy in the house and she'll just be like oh like normal you know not question like oh are you gay like no you know um, mm -hmm. I see. well my mom my mom always knew that i accepted myself i actually had to came out to my dad and so i when i was in my freshman year in high school um it was my 15th birthday and when i was 14 i've always planned on telling my dad on my birthday because my logic was that if i tell him on my birthday he wouldn't be as mad because it's mm -hmm. my birthday. So when I was my when my birthday came on February 28th, um, I turned 15 and my dad and my mom, like my whole family, we, we went out. It was a Sunday. So we went out, there wasn't school. We went out to eat. Um, they took me to just some malls. They just wanted to get me some new clothes and stuff for my, like as birthday presents and stuff. And when I came back, my dad went to, my dad that day, he went to the hospital to go visit a friend that, um, I, I don't know what happened, but he went to go visit a friend in the hospital. And I was like talking to my mom the whole time. I'm like, mom, should I do it? And my mom was like, I don't know if you should. And then we were just come, like talking like, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? And then she's like, you should. And then I'm like, I should, right? Then she's like, no, I'm scared. Don't do it anymore. And then I'm like, mom, like this is not helping. But when he came, when, as soon as he walked in the door, like something just told me like, oh, I'm, I just need to approach him. Yeah. So I went and I, told him I'm like dad can like, I talk to you like come in the living room like I just want to talk to you and I lied to him and I, by lie I mean like I lied to him like I was like oh I already told my mom I just want you to know now but my mom been outed me you know so yeah. my mom been new but my dad is the type of peop type of person that is like um, he wants like how did like things to be equal like he want like if I would have said that my mom been new this long time he would have been like why didn't you tell me at that same time you know 
So he would have been hurt. And so I just lied to him about that. I'm like, yeah, you tell my mom. Um, but now I want to tell you. And I just came out and yeah. Well, I was really scared. I remember like what I was, what was going through my mind was I'm really about to not see my family again because my dad is pretty homophobic. So mm. he, um, I had the idea that he was just going to kick me out the house and I would probably have to go with my godparents or something. And so I was kind of ready for that. Like, I kept, like, I remember I would always glare at my, like, closet drawers and stuff. And I'll just be like, damn, like, what if this is the day where I have to go because my dad doesn't accept me? But, yeah, that was that was going through my mind. I just didn't expect him to be so accepting when I did came out. <laughs> so that was, like, your backup plan? Like, oh, if this doesn't work, I'll go with my godparents? I'm going to my godparents because I was expecting him to, like, not um. want me. I know. I was I was surprised only because I remember him always telling me when I was little that if I ever was gay or if I ever choose to be gay, which you know I hate that when people say choose mm-hmm. or like things like that, he would be like, "Oh, like te va madrear." I'm like, "I'm gonna beat you up." Like, um, you're not gonna be living in this house. Like, you can go do like your activity somewhere else but you're not gonna do it in this house stuff like that so i grew up with that and so that always was in my mind plus you know my uh-huh. dad was pretty abusive when i because i would play with dolls when i was little uh-huh. and um i would always hang around with the girls rather than the boys because the boys would also criticize me for playing with dolls and stuff like that so my dad would always just you know abusively hit me like i would be bleeding at times like my mom would have to like take him away from me he would have to like go like sleep at like my uncle's houses and stuff like that because he was so mad at me so i was just always i always just had that fear that my dad would just not want me but when i came out to him and i heard that he was just like son it's fine like i accept you how you are and stuff like that i was just it did took me by surprise like i wasn't even emotional i was just surprised i was like am i talking to my father or is this a changed man who is it yeah for me i don't think there's ever a better way to come out only because it's it's just like you just know when you're going to come out like for me like I was saying I was debating with my mom when I was going to tell my dad and it's just like as soon as I see him enter that door like it was just an instinct that was telling me like yeah just do it like this is the moment that you have are you going to wait another year until your next birthday comes and then just keep repeating that same process just get it over with it now Mm -hmm. so I don't think there's there was a better way I could have done it. That's good, though. Um, what is your advice for our petrified babies in the closet? <laughs> um, my advice is that if you ever are a doubt that your family won't accept you, just know that there's a family outside of your biological family. Um, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community, we can create our own families. Um, if you guys don't know about this show, watch this show called Pose. Um, you guys will, if you guys want to know about how like LGBTQ plus like communities create families, um, there will always be a home for you. Um, if you ever want to come out to your parents, just don't force it. Just go with your gut, you know, go with your instincts. And yeah, if they accept you, they do. And if they don't, you still have a family outside of that. Thank you, Gio. Thank you. Well, that was Gigi's coming out story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. No, thank you. Oh, my God. Um, Thank you. Beautifully productive, too. I loved it. Thank you. I swear, he's so skilled. Like, I mean, I taught him everything, so he has to. Ah, okay. So now, um, like I've been mentioning earlier, I'm going to stop teasing y'all now. Tanya Cordova, she is an amazing trans immigrant indigenous queen here in Chicago. And her story just must be heard, you know. So she's going to, you know, talk about some little struggles. Because, you know, we've talked about me and, you know... People of the LGB, but you know, what about our T-sisters, you know? Right. So yeah. we're just gonna, you know, have her 
say a little something something and we we can kiki about it mm-hmm. all right i think that we need to do a lot of advocacy when it comes to uh, to name change and especially in the community the other issue that actually immigrants are facing trans women Im- immigrants are, uh, are facing that if you're not actually a citizen or resident, you can't change your name. So when you actually try to go through the uh, Mexican consul, uh, they don't provide the services. So uh, um, when was it? Two weeks ago, we actually, now we have a, a new consul. So uh, I was telling her that how can we actually make the change that through the Mexican consul, we can actually change our, our name. In my case, I have political asylum, so I can't go back to Mexico. So in order, in order for me to change my name and my birth certificate, I have to go and open a case in Mexico. So I changed my legal name here. So I have an ID and my legal name is only in the United States, but when it comes to my birth certificate or uh, if I have to get a Mexican passport, I can't change my name. So that was Tanya, you know, talking about how it's really hard for trans women and, you know, obviously for men, so trans men yeah. to change their, you know, their birth given names to the names they identify as now. Yeah. And like you said, you said once and the, the LGBTQ, the LGBTQ plus community is a minority. But like within that, the transgender community is more the minority. real minority. Yeah. Basically just. uh and talking to Tanya, how it's difficult for immigrant trans people to... Yeah, um, for immigrant trans um, people to change their name because yeah. um, Tanya, um, she right now, you guys will find out later, but just if you guys are kind of confused, she has um, political asylum right now. So if she was... If she wanted to change her name legally, like for her birth certificate and stuff, you know, like, because she was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. she wanted to um, change stuff, like, that is like you know she has to go back open uh-huh, up a she case. has to go back and open up a case but she can't because she has political asylum so yeah she 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 can't but her right now her you know her legal id is from here in the u.s and it says tanya cordoba mm-hmm. and i just think it's crazy because any little thing that a trans woman can do it affects them yeah and a lot of people fail to realize that they aren't doing crimes they are actually just being discriminated by officials because um trans women can be outside and if they're clockable by the way if y'all don't know what clockable means clockable means when like you can tell somebody's like you know transitioning like you can see a little manliness on them and if they're transitioning Mm -hmm. on a woman or if you see a man and you see a little bit of femininity still on them physically that's clock so you know educating Mm y'all but so if Somebody, if you know a trans woman is clockable, Tanya has told me how there's been times where she's just been arrested for being in the streets, you know, because at that time she was clockable. So, um, mm. and she'll go to jail for it and stuff like that. And it's like, why? Why does do they have to do yeah. that? And then that affects them when they want to change their name, you know, when they feel like they are finally who they are physically, you know, and they want to change their name and take all these other actions. They can't do that because they have a criminal record. Yeah. What? Yes. They can't change their names on, like, their passports or their IDs or things like that because they have a criminal record for something that they they were just standing out in the streets and were living their normal life, but people wanted to arrest them because they were... they, they were... They just didn't like who they are. I don't even have words. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's why, you know, you guys will find out more, you know, when you listen to Tanya and she's going to explain all of that. So another conversation is like just family. Oh, it can it can be a hard time for family. I get that. Mm-hmm. Friends. Yeah. Social circles and stuff. Yes. I think a lot of people um forget that sometimes in the LGBTQ plus community, you have to create your own families if your own biological family doesn't want to be with you that's why i always tell people um to watch the show called pose because it's such a such a good show to understand um the struggle of being somebody from the lgbtq plus 
but also why we create our families and why we own up to yes. the things we do and stuff like that. Just like you're going to find out why Tanya owns up to the things t- she did because she had to survive, just like we had to survive. Mm-hmm. And we just have to do much more for our families or people to accept us because it's like there's one thing being for like me, speaking about me and Didi too, mm-hmm. there's one thing being Latino. Then there's one thing being a Latino gay. Mm-hmm. And so then just having that behind you is just hard because you're you're going against through, you know, the discrimination of being Latino. But then you're also going against the Latinos discriminating you for being gay. Yeah. And it's like you can't fit in. So you have to be this person that just is just so multi-talented or mm-hmm. things like that for people to be like, wow, like I wouldn't mind that they're like this because, wow, they're contributing so much. But it's like, why don't you just accept us how we are? Yeah. And yeah, that goes in with social acceptance. Sometimes we just have to be always doing this and that. That's why in movies you'll always see like, oh, like the gay best friend because they're so funny. They're so this. It's like in order to be socially accepted, you have to be so funny. Like if you're gay, right? You have to be outgoing. You have to be extravagant. You have to 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 be all these these. things and like kind of fit in a mold to be just accepted. Yes. And then when it comes to trans, that's just completely off. That's why I always say, um, the trans are the real minority within the LGBTQ plus community because, like I said, it's one thing being Latino, it's one thing being gay, but it's also one thing being trans within that too. Yeah. So it's crazy because also you're going through the physical transition. If you're gay, you don't have to go through no transition, you know. But if you're trans, you're going through a whole transition physically, which can, you know, it can just be mentally and physically exhausting. It is. And it's it can crazy. And then on top of that, you have, like, those people who are just hateful. And then you don't... Because, mm-hmm. like, you were, you were born with Susie, but now you're Theo. And yeah. it's like... Yeah. And you're Latino. And you're trying just to like, get through the day of just, like, not being reminded that your parents kicked you out because they couldn't accept you, that you're Theo now. And then have those people who just constantly remind you. And it must be really hard for the trans community just to, like, bear through the day. And mm-hmm. stuff like that. Being clockable. And just, like, you're still trying to go through it. You're still trying to fit in mm-hmm. into yes. a mold and trying to do all these things being multi um talented or like trying to like do all these things to just distract you from what yeah. it is exactly and it's difficult it, must it be. is it's really hard and so that's why now we are gonna have our mama tanya you know explain her story and the <laughs> trans struggle as it should be told by the trans woman herself so i hope you all enjoy Hey, BBs. Welcome to Gigi and Didi's Dear Diary. You will listen to brave, helpless, and motivational real-life stories from the LGBTQ+. Here we kiki and introduce sickening guests to share their life stories as part of the LGBTQ+, love, fight, struggle, community, and much more. When you listen, you become a beat fatty bee, a BBB, like the rest of the sisterhood. Now come on, BBs, let's get edumacated. In today's tea spinning story, we have Tanya Cordova, trans woman and activist, sharing her story as a trans indigenous immigrant woman from Mexico and her experience here in the US. Mother Tanya has proved to be an open-armed mother to the trans community found homes for the girls that need one, saved her girls from ICE and being treated unfairly by the justice system. Mother Tanya might not consider herself a powerful woman, but Mama sure puts up a fight for her trans sister. This is Dear Diary with Tanya Cordova. My name is Tanya Cordova. I'm a Mexican indigenous, poor Epichan woman, trans woman from Michoacan, and I live in Beck the Yards. Well, I really don't describe myself as a powerful woman. I just describe myself as being um, a woman who's been navigating with many barriers that trans immigrant women face in the the city of Chicago. I was born in Mexico. My childhood, it wasn't. I didn't know how to express that I was verbally, that I was a trans kid. 
but my actions is will speak louder than words. So yeah. I will always act like a little girl. But unfortunately, like my family didn't didn't know how to navigate or how to handle way of acting. So my childhood it wasn't really normal. I was a victim of bullying in school, and because of that, I always have a lot of problems, a lot of psychological problems. I migrated to United States in 1985, so I was 15 when I arrived in Chicago. And some of my siblings, they were living in Chicago already. So um, for me, we were separated for so many years that for me to live with them, it was like living with a stranger. So um, they always knew, even all my siblings knew that I was a trans kid. And so they saw that when I moved to Chicago, that everything was going to change. So I try not to show or not to act like Tanya. I was acting just like a little boy. Mm. Um, but I was so unhappy. I was really, really unhappy. So a um, couple months after I arrived in Chicago, uh, I was uh, taking uh, English classes. And I encountered with some some other members of the community, uh, and that's how I got involved into uh, LGBT community. So a couple months after that, I got invited to go to La Cueva, Ooh. and I was like, La Cueva, what's La Cueva? And they would say, That's a club, and I went, a club. Well, I do want to go. So I was like seventeen, eighteen when I went to La Cueva, so I actually had to have a fake ID yeah. to go <laughs> inside La Cueva. Uh, and I like the way that the community was built, especially with the trans community. So for me, seeing girls, I mean, trans girls already develop their physical transition, it was something new. So I got really excited. And a couple of weeks after that, I went to La Cueva, already dressed as a girl. And a couple of months after that, I already was in my hormone treatment. And that's how I started my transition. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it wasn't like how it is. The transition now is easier and accessible, especially for to get um, the healthcare. Uh, with, which include hormone therapy. Um, but um, when I started, we didn't have the accessibility. So we actually got hormones through somebody else through yeah. the black market. So that's how everybody actually started three years ago, getting hormones from friends or from people that we actually know. And that's how we start our transition and hormone therapy. So there were other trans woman navigator, helping individuals and mentoring trans people in the community, like Kiritianga, Alexa. There's so many girls, they, three years ago, they already were doing the work that now Howard Brown is doing. There's so many organizations that they actually doing the work right now, but 30 years ago, it was more about our cell community. You know, it's something that I always been talking about when it comes to name change. I think that um, I work for TLGP as a collective member, and we do the name change mobilization. Unfortunately, from some other cases, people with some felonies, they're not eligible to change their name. So I think that any trans woman who hasn't been able to change the name, every time they, they go to any public place, and they're gonna put them in jeopardy by calling them by their legal name, you're always gonna be feel insecure. So besides that I do, I've been doing all this work with the name change mobilization and challenge um, the um, felony name change restriction and, and working on the medical field. I also been working in another project, which is Set El Cambio. And Set El Cambio is more, uh, uh, our mission is to help the uh, trans woman of color who's been impacted by incarceration and 
to be under ICE detention. A lot of asylum seekers, uh, when they actually get released from uh, ICE, they're I mean, they're gonna get they're gonna get released, but they don't know where to go. They, we need to integrate them into a new system, into a new country. I got incarcerated. You know, I have I do have a criminal background. I always talk about my criminal background and how um, incarceration have uh, uh, humanely have impacted my life. If I wouldn't know. If somebody would reach out to me, a problem would reach out to me when I got released many years ago from prison, I think my my life would totally be different. Creating programs and reach out to the youth, I I believe, I do believe, and um, and I do advocate also for uh, prison abolition. But I mean, for, for me, prison abolition is to educate our youth not to be arrested, to have legal services, to have accessible legal services. Because sometimes you can be arrested just for being in the street. Uh, you can be arrested for a misdemeanor, for any little petty shit. But if you don't have any legal assistance, you can actually just go to court and say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. Uh, whatever you're going to offer me, uh, that's fine. So that then from there you're already going to have a criminal background or you already and then a little misdemeanor can escalate to a felony so uh, for me uh, advocating and uh, helping our youth and help our trans community not to plead guilty and uh, one of the Caprini uh, Green Legal Aid help a program for trans people providing legal aid well Senator Cambio um I really would like to be in the um, heart of Little Village. Mm -hmm. I think Little Village, I always been talking about my vision actually is to have a Howard Brown. Yeah. Uh, Settle Cambio can be like Howard Brown and Little Village. And I think that uh, a Latin community, Gage Park, Little Village, 18th Street, we can actually just build that center that we actually need. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is, I mean, the services you are providing in this location is so great, but uh, there's so many programs that our communities need. And how are we gonna build that? If we, if we don't actually work together, this is not just about for trans. This is not. This is about our communities. This is about our kids, our youth, our families. Mm -hmm. Our families need a lot of support, especially when they have a member of the LGBT community and they don't know how to deal with it. And especially when it comes to trans, but tra a trans kid. I mean, I hope that by telling my story and by encouraging other trans people who actually have current background convictions not to be ashamed because I'm not. I Yes, I did a lot of mistakes. Yes, activities, illegal activities to survive. I'm, I'm hoping that by telling my story is to cut down those activities and to show, to prove and to show that are to our, our youth and our community that there, there are so many uh, other choices that we can actually do. Thank you so much for listening to our talk of the day. Yes, the 50th uh, year of being a BBB. Yes, we recapped Pride Month, Dyke March, Stonewall. Pinkwashing. Pinkwashing, what that is. Talking about a little bit about what is it, the trans community. Talking about Tanya, especially. Mother Teresa herself. How to yes. be an ally and how, how to avoid the baddies and such. Or not the baddies, sorry. How, how to not be a beat. Baddie ally. There we go. <laughs> but basically, yeah. And we gotta go though. So sadly, sadly we gotta go. I hope you guys um learned a lot about Stonewall and the importance of the LGBTQ plus community. I am Gigi and I'm Dee Dee and I'm Marie. And we had our beautiful girl, you know Mimi, but she had to go real quick. And that's yeah. it. Bye, BBs. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs> Hello. It's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, amazing, astonishing, highly amazing <gasps> production.
If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be working on the next one here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned to our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, astonishing, highly amazing broadcast. I hope that you are informed about the awesome parts of life and that you will have a splendid day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolokali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokaliartsreach.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.